Welcome to the video book summary of Alibaba, The House That Jack Ma Built by Duncan Clark. This book was published in 2016 and weighing in at 304 pages. An engrossing insider's account of how a teacher built one of the world's most valuable companies, rivaling Walmart and Amazon, and forever reshaped the global economy. In just a decade and a half, Jack Ma, a man from modest beginnings who started out as an English teacher, founded and built Alibaba into one of the world's largest companies, an e-commerce empire on which hundreds of millions of Chinese consumers depend. Alibaba's 25 billion IPO in 2004 was the largest global IPO ever. A Rockefeller of his age who is courted by CEOs and presidents around the world, Jack is an icon for China's booming private sector and the gatekeeper to hundreds of millions of middle-class consumers. If you like what you hear in the book summary, I strongly suggest you buy the book using the link in the description. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of Alibaba. There were three big surprises in the book. Alibaba wasn't an overnight success that it was. In fact, it's 20 years old. China is big, really big. Yes, we all know that China has more than 1.2 billion people, but a little human brains have trouble processing the sheer scale of a number that big. Alibaba sends out 30 million packages per day. Jack Ma built one of the first websites for China and co-founded one of the first China-based companies that built websites for clients in 1995. Chapter 1. Jack likes to say that his company's success was an accident. Alibaba might as well be known as 1001 Mistakes. In his early years, he gave three explanations as to why the company survived. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any technology and we didn't have a plan. But let's look at the three real factors that underpin Alibaba's success today. The company's competitive edge in e-commerce, logistics and finance, what Jack Ma describes as Alibaba's iron triangle. The e-commerce edge. Unlike Amazon, Alibaba's consumer websites, Taibao and Tmall carry no inventory. They serve as platforms for other merchants to sell their wares. Taibao consists of 9 million storefronts run by small vendors or individuals. Attracted by the site's huge user base, these micro-merchants choose to set up their stalls on Taibao in part because it costs them nothing to do so. Alibaba charges them no fees, but Taibao makes money, a lot of it, from selling advertised space, helping promote those merchants who want to stand out from the crowd. The Logistics Edge on Singles Day 2015, orders placed on Alibaba's website generated 467 million packages, requiring more than 1.7 million couriers and 400,000 vehicles to deliver the goods. China today has a veritable army of couriers, on foot, bicycles, electric bikes, trucks and trains. They are usually unsung heroes of the country's e-commerce revolution. Chinese consumers spent more than $32 billion on package deliveries in 2014. The number increased more than 40% in a year. Without the low-cost delivery that the courier services provide, Alibaba would not be the giant it is today. To survive in a cutthroat industry, some of the courier firms have adopted clever methods to keep cost at rock bottom. In Shanghai, for instance, couriers shuttle back and forth on the subway, passing packages over barriers to one another to avoid buying multiple tickets. In response to the inefficiency of what was then the United States Post Office, in China, the e-commerce gold rush has sustained the rise of more than 8,000 private courier firms, 
of which 20 major companies stand out. Together, they handle more than 30 million packages a day and employ more than 1.5 million people across 600 cities. Sayinawa is building a propriety information platform that knits together logistics providers, warehouses, and distribution centers across the country. Alibaba owns 48% of Sayinawa. Yet with Sayinawa, Alibaba has sought up the most important asset of all, trust. Customers and merchants know where they can count on the products getting where they need to be on time. The financial edge. In financial services, Alibaba's most important asset is Alipay, its answer to PayPal. Alipay handles more than three quarters of a trillion dollars in a year in online transactions, three times the volume of PayPal, and one third of the 2.5 trillion. As a new form of escrow, Alipay diffuses trust throughout Alibaba's e-commerce empire. 20% of all Alipay transactions involve paying for utilities, such as water, electricity, and gas bills. Customers also buy train tickets, pay traffic fines, or purchase insurance using Alipay, making it the de facto currency of an increasing digital China. Chapter 2, Jack Magic. Jack once explained that he loves the lead character of the movie Forrest Gump because people think he's dumb, but he knows what he's doing. Jack's speaking style is so effective because his message is so easy to agree with, remember, and digest. Jack always speaks without notes. A close inspection of all his speeches reveals he's essentially been giving the same speech for the last 17 years, yet the subtlety tweaking his message to match the mood and expectations of the crowd. He somehow manages to make each speech sound fresh. Jack is a master at appealing to people's emotions. Humor is a big part of it. Jack's set pieces, his one-liners and anecdotes, and the way he combines them with essentially the same as the bits that comedians use to make up their routine. With his tales of overcoming challenges and defying the odds, Jack regularly drives some of his audiences to tears, even the hardened business executives. Jack's mantra, customers first, employees second, and shareholders third. Jack describes this as Alibaba's philosophy. Employees are discouraged from ever complaining, a pet peeve of Jack's, and encouraged instead to shoulder personal responsibility, carrying out or delegating tasks rather than waiting for orders from on high. The six veins of Alibaba's a spirit sword are customers first, teamwork, embrace change, integrity, passion, and commitment. Chapter 4, Hope and Coming to America. These single product towns can represent 80% or more of the production of individual commodities not just in China, but worldwide. Shaoxing is textile city, and Yonghang is the hardware city, churning out 30,000 steel doors and 150,000 motor scooters every day. Taizhou is known as the sewing machine city, and Shenzhou as the necktie city. Hangin calls itself leather city. There is even a toothbrush city. Yiwa itself claims to be China's sock city, pronouncing annually more than 3 billion pairs of socks for companies like Walmart and Disney. Although Dangtang near Hangzhou also claims to be Sock City, producing more than 8 billion pairs each year. Jack recalls his first online session. My friend Stuart said, Jack, this is the internet. You can find whatever you can find through the internet. I said, really? So I searched for the word beer. Very simple word. 
I don't know why I searched for beer, but I found American beer, Germany beer, and no Chinese beer. I was curious, so I searched China, and no China, no data. Intrigued, Jack asked Stuart for help. I talked to my friend, why don't I make something about China? So we made a small, very ugly looking page for the translation agency I listed on there. The site for Hope Translation was just text, without any images, plus a telephone number and the price for translation work. Jack later recalled to the journalist Charlie Rose, It was so shocking. We launched it 9.40 in the morning. 12.30 I got a call from my friend, Jack, we've got five emails. I said, what is email? (laughs) Three emails came from the United States, one from Japan and one from Germany. Jack set about formulating the idea for a new business helping Chinese companies find export channels online and pitch the idea of a partnership with VBN. Chapter 5, China is coming. China Pages. As sales pitches go, asking people who have never heard of the internet to fork over 20,000 renminbi, $2,400 upfront to create, design and host a website they could never see was a challenging one. Jack worried that people thought he was defrauding them I was treated like a con man for three years, he said. It took three and a half hours to download the front page. I was so excited. From then on, I had held a firm belief. When I start businesses in the future, I will never hold the controlling stake of a company, making those controlled by me suffer. I will give plenty of understanding and support to lower levels. I have never once had a controlling stake at Alibaba. I am proud of this. I am the CEO of the company. Because I lead with my wisdom, courage, resourcefulness, not capital. Chapter 6, Bubble and Birth After his struggle with Hope Translation and China Pages and an uncomfortable period working for the government in Beijing, Jack went on to found Alibaba at the beginning of 1999. Jack decided to call on his new venture Alibaba, a curious name for Chinese company. Jack has been asked many times why he chose the Arabic name for his company, rather than something derived from his passion for Chinese martial arts and folklore. Jack was attracted, he said, by the open sesame imagery, since he hoped to achieve an opening for small and medium-sized enterprises he was targeting. He was also looking for a name that travelled well, and Alibaba is a name that is easy to pronounce in many languages. He liked the name since it came at the beginning of the alphabet, Whatever you talk about, Alibaba is always on top. Jack says the idea came to him for the website on a trip to San Francisco. I was having lunch and a waitress came. I asked her, do you know about Alibaba? She said, yes. What is Alibaba? And she said, open sesame. So I went down to the street and asked 10 to 20 people. They all knew about Alibaba. 40 thieves and open sesame. Chapter 7 Backers Goldman and SoftBank. Jack has always been dismissive of business schools. It's not necessary to study an MBA. Most MBA graduates are not useful, unless they come back from their MBA studies and forget what they've learned at school. Then they will be useful. Because schools teach knowledge, while starting a business requires wisdom. Wisdom is acquired through experience. Knowledge can be acquired through hard work. Masters and negotiations always listen, don't talk. Those who talk a lot only have second-rate negotiation skills. A true master listens. As soon as he moves his sword, you pretty much collapse. Chapter 8. Burst and back to China. If you can't tolerate your opponents, you'll be definitely beaten by your opponent. 
You treat your opponents as enemies you have already lost at the beginning of the game. If you hang your opponents as a target and practice throwing darts at him every day, you are only able to fight this one enemy, not others. Competition is the greatest joy. When you compete with others and find it that it brings more and more agony, there must be something wrong with your competition strategy. Chapter 9, Born Again, Taibo and the Humiliation of eBay. The pioneers take the arrows, settlers take the land. The SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Virus Outbreak started in southern China in 2002. Although it sickened thousands and killed almost 800 people, the outbreak had a curiously beneficial effect on the Chinese internet sector, including Alibaba. SARS validated digital, mobile, telephony, and the internet, and so came to represent the turning point when the internet emerged as a truly mass medium in China. Millions of people, confined to their homes or dormitories for days or weeks on end, looked to the internet for information or entertainment. Curically, for Alibaba, SARS convinced millions of people, afraid to go outside, to try shopping online instead. One of the greatest investments of our lifetime has been the New York City real estate, she said. And investors made the highest returns when they brought stuff during the 1970s and 1980s when people were getting mugged. The lesson is that you make the most money when you buy stuff that's out of consensus. By starting with C2C, it made the price factor very appealing. Individuals can be happy to make even 5 ma, less than 1 cent on a sale. Tarbo's decision to forego charging fees was not without risk, since it forced to look at other ways of generating revenue, especially if the site became popular and drove up operating costs. But making the site free for both shoppers and merchants turned out to be the key factor in ensuring Tarbo's triumph over eBay. A research paper that analyzed more than a decade's worth of transaction data on Taibo concludes that in the early phase of the company's history, attracting merchants who in China are especially allergic to paying fees was more important than attracting shoppers. Taibo's popularity was fueled by a virtuous cycle. More merchants and product listings meant more shoppers were attracted to the site, which meant more merchants and products, etc. As predicted, as soon as China's site was migrated and integrated into the global site, the impact on each net's traffic was disastrous. It dropped off perceptuously. Customers in China started to experience long delays and timeouts on the site. Why would they bother to wait for eBay in China, a site that charged fees when Taibo was available for instantly and for free? Changing one word on the site would take nine weeks. Changing one feature would take one year. Although Taibo had its merits, Alibaba could hardly believe its luck at the ineptness of the supposedly world-renowned company that became apparent. You've got to have a set of products uniquely designed for this market by Chinese. It is not a market where you can take the product or system that works in Europe or United States and export to China. We made one big mistake. We should have left each net on their own platform in China. Instead, what we did was put EachNet on the global eBay platform because it had worked everywhere. It had worked in Western Europe. It had worked all over. We had bought all these baby eBays and basically migrated them to one common platform, which had a lot of advantages. One is cost. Second is speed to market. Because when you roll 
buy it now, you can roll it to 30 countries as opposed to do it incrementally. But we made a mistake in China. She gives credit to Alibaba's achievements in designing Taibo to suit the local market. eBay may be a shark in the ocean, but I am a crocodile in the Yangdai's river. If we fight in the ocean, we lose. But if we fight in the river, we win. Chapter 10, Yahoo's Billion Dollar Bet. On April 12, 1996, Yahoo went public on the NASDAQ. Only after a year after incorporating the country, Jerry Yang and David Fillo were each worth more than $165 million on paper. Within three years, they were billionaires. Google announced its withdrawal from China. eBay, Yahoo and Google had all recognized that China's internet market would become massive. But as the market grew, so did regulatory barriers and competitive challenges from entrepreneurial and well-financed companies like Alibaba, Baibu, and Tencent. Chapter 11, Growing Pains. Tencent, with more than 740 million QQ instant messaging users, although its share price took a beating, Alibaba would survive the global financial crisis. As well as SARS five years earlier, the crisis created some unexpected dividends for the company. First, Jack realized that the downturn gave him a way to increase the loyalty of his paying customers and initiated a dramatic reduction in the cost of their subscriptions. Telling David, let's be responsible to our customers. They're only paying 50,000 yen. We can give them 30,000 yen back. The stock market went crazy, David recall, as investors called him up to complain. What? You're losing 60% of your revenue. But there was a method to Jack's madness. Jack was serious about putting the customer first. Jack always trying to understand how to get the money back later. He's not just about greedy about getting money first. Looking back on the price cut, David concluded that the move was well-timed. Revenues didn't drop at all. Customer volume growth offset the price drop completely. And after the financial crisis was over, we didn't raise the prices. We created an opportunity to sell them more value-added services, more of an internet-style model. Jack actually told me he wanted to change it anyway. The crisis gave him the opportunity. Chapter 12, Icon or Icarus. So Alibaba found itself in New York. Selling 12% of the company, it raised $25 billion, the largest IPO in history. Demand for Barbar shares outstripped supply by over 14 times. Barbar closed the day 25% higher than the initial price, valuing the company at over $230 billion, more than Coca-Cola. Among internet companies, Alibaba was second only to Google, higher even than Amazon and Facebook. CEO David Weir instructed his team to look at the countries with the lowest efficiency in the retail sector. Without AliExpress even opening offices there, but with Russia and Portuguese language capabilities added to AliExpress websites, Russia and Brazil became early success stories. Demand from Alibaba's customers in Brazil at one point exceeded over 300,000 packages a day before a slowing economy and the weakening real hit their company's business there. Demand in Russia, especially for clothing and consumer electronics, was so strong that AliExpress reportedly even broke the Russian postal service, leading to the dismissal of its boss. Today, Russia accounts for a fifth of AliExpress's sales. And that's a wrap on book 90, Alibaba by Duncan Clark.
subscribe to our channel for future video book summaries and follow us on Instagram, hashtag bestbookbits. This summary is from the website marketingfirst.co.nz. Watch previous video book summaries on our channel. If you like the video and want to buy the book, click the link in the video description to purchase from Amazon. Thanks for watching and I hope you learned a thing or two. Have a great day.